All right, live, Alistair. Thank you for that. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to talk about the beta journey. We have some really special guests with us today that are going to cover different pieces of that journey. We're going to hear from Helen Brown, who's the managing director at In The Know Limited, and she's going to cover off on helping organizations maximize their use of data for analysis. We'll hear from Alistair Moore, who's the founder and CEO of iData. He's going to talk about data quality. Then Susan Walsh, the classification guru, is going to talk all about data cleansing. And then I, Kate Strashne, from the Dedicated Academy, will cover off on some concepts of data visualization and the importance of telling stories with data. All right, as you're joining, please let us know where you're joining from and definitely feel free to ask questions on any of the topics that I just spoke about. As a reminder, it's about helping organizations maximize the use of data for analysis, any questions on data quality, data cleansing, data visualization, or data storytelling. We're gonna be here taking questions for probably the next 30 to 45 minutes, so go ahead and jump in. And we're gonna get started with some introductions. So Helen, why don't we get started with you and tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Hi everyone, I'm Helen Brown. Um, I started out my career as a health statistician in the UK NHS, leading um, teams to improve population health. And then more recently have been leading data and intelligence improvement nationally for the NHS, um, addressing challenges in accessing and using data um, and influencing change and policy decisions and regulation across the NHS. Um, and recently just set up my own company in the Know Limited because um, I really wanted to help companies make the most of their data to help them know how they can use high utility data whilst also um, enabling them to address privacy um, constraints too. Awesome. Thank you so much, Helen, and welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. I see several people are joining us here. We've got Scott Taylor, Albert, uh, Alberto, Stephen, hello, hello. We're gonna keep going on with the introduction. So Mr. Moore, please go for it. Hello, I'm Alistair Moore. I'm the co-founder of iData. iData was set up to help organizations get beta, better beta, better data quality within their businesses and therefore to create better outcomes. But I'll go into that later. I'll let the next lovely lady go, Susan. Thanks very much. Hi, everyone. It's Susan Walsh here, the classification guru, fixer of dirty data. I am a specialist in spend data classification, but also apply my knowledge to the wider data classification world. <clears throat> that, was, that was short and sweet. Thank you so much. So uh, before we kick things off, um, I'll do a quick intro for those who don't know. I'm Kate Srashtein, the founder of the Dedicated Academy. And I focus on all things data visualization and storytelling, currently building out a data to dashboard series of courses where we help people go from data to dashboard with uh, several different data visualization tools. Now, today we are doing a couple of giveaways. So Susan was kind enough to give away one of her courses. It's data cleansing the basics, right? Yep, that's right. From the iData Quality Academy. And I'll also give away a course um, Data, dedicated storytelling from the Dedicated Academy. So in order to win, just simply comment, ask questions. And I know Scott Taylor loves giveaways, especially book giveaways. So Maybe he'll give away some of his books. You never know. That's a good just show. for no reason. <laughs> I like that. 
that, that would be hilarious. All right. So, Helen, I think let's go ahead and get started with you because I think it's a good place for us to start. You know, how can data governance help companies maximize their use of data? And what do you do within the know to, to help those organizations? Okay, well, you know, companies need to be able to access their data, to understand their data quality, for data to be accessible. Um, and they need to know that the people that supply the data have got the trust that it's used appropriately. And to do that, well, you need to put a framework around your data um, so that users know what data they can use, you know, what they can use it for, how it's been processed, how quality affects it, and how anonymization's taken place. Um, but, you know, there are quite a few challenges which arise um, where companies don't really know so well how to put that governance around the data. And, you know, you've got those that are too scared to share the data, those that govern it poorly and end up with poor quality outputs and those that use and abuse data as well. So in In The Know, we help people to understand all of these things and we help them to train them as well for their data users so that they can understand how to balance the um, privacy and the utility of their data to best effect. Great, thank you for that. Yeah, so you mentioned some of the obstacles. How do you address some of those obstacles with the, with the companies that you work with? Well, I think it's a case of understanding, you know, what that organization's challenges are, you know, so you need to understand what they're trying to achieve and where they're at on that maturity curve. Um, and, and sort of like coming up with the bespoke things for their use cases. Um, a lot of the challenges are around sort of like the linkage of data, the use of minimization of data and avoidance of singling out. So we have specific um sort of like ways that we can help people to achieve that. But a lot of it we do through training and awareness. Okay, all right, thank you. Uh, speaking of training and awareness, I think all of us here have some sort of training content out there that people can can go check out. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that um, towards the end of the session. Um, but for now, Alistair, let's go on to you and talk about why do we need, why do we care about data quality, right? Why can't we just collect data in it in whatever shape or form we have? I think, I think you raised a good question. I think still, uh, and, and one of the uh, people who've joined us today, Scott the Data Whisperer, spoke about this previously on podcasts, is people don't believe in data quality enough at the moment, or they don't see it as a priority, or they don't see it as a sexy need that will make a huge difference to the business. And, and data quality is so important when it comes to analysis, or if you're moving from one legacy system to a new system, you need good data quality. And as we progress with things like AI and ML, it becomes even more important. I'm sure we've all heard the saying, you know, garbage in, garbage out. And I know Susan will be talking about this when it comes to classification. It's so important that you get that right, whether that's be from the input stage or when you've already got legacy data in a system to then correct that data, enrich it, complete it. Because otherwise you're missing out on so many opportunities and, and it's sales, it's relationships, it's productivity, it's compliance, like Helen was saying previously. There's so many areas which data quality touches on, but companies just aren't putting the money or the resource behind it to get it done. Yeah, you know, Alzer, you mentioned garbage in, garbage. Oh, sorry, what? Did I mention, yeah, I think I answered the question there. I think it did. Yes. <laughs> yes. You mentioned sound, garbage. It sounded good, though. Go on. It sounded very good. You should, yes, record this and play it everywhere. <laughs> 
you you mentioned garbage in garbage out and i think it was actually scott scott we're talking a lot about you you're probably like why am i just not on screen at this point um there's already been a comment yeah <laughs> he um he he talks about goodness in goodness out so i think for data quality it's easier when things are done right in the front end right like um taking the the right governance and processes to ensure that the data quality is addressed as early as possible versus waiting until the end to get to data cleansing, which Susan, we're getting to you to talk all about that. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, oh, sorry, Susan. No, 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 go for it. No, it's before beauty. I'm mushing now. Uh, okay, so it's, it's definitely important to do it at the inputting stage, but as Susan will, will know, we are human, we make errors, People have different opinions of how things should be inputted in. Yes, we do, Kate. Uh, so we disagreed there already. But it, it, it will never be controlled. And also, lots of people already have got data being inputted from so many different sources, or they're wanting to share data so you get duplication issues, you get repeat issues, you get issues where it's putting into the data in the wrong place in a system, for example. Yeah. So it's very important that you monitor that data as well going forward. And I know that touches on what Helen will talk about. All, all our three areas do kind of follow each other, go in each other's circles, but without these three pillars, and there's probably another pillar, which we'll probably go into later, that's so important for data analysis, which is where you come into when we get to your stage, that if you don't have those covered off first, again, you know, it's it's stupid data in, uh, stupid data out, or not very good. I'm allowed to say that, aren't I? That's not classic. Yeah. <laughs> very true you need those things in place certainly to get the outcomes you want from an analysis perspective amongst many others sorry for sure, for sure alistair um you know it's really important because if you don't have the data quality good to begin with um and then you put governance and privacy over the data so that you can't see some of that data you can't actually see that there's data quality problems and that's when you know you really really do get analysis bias and things so and let's face it nobody wants to do the classic cleansing bit of the data you know it's it's the garbage man's job of the world you know we all know we need our rubbish and our garbage picked up weekly because society would completely fall apart if it didn't but nobody really wants to do that job um or there's a few, a few of them that do and and data cleansing is exactly the same um it's one of those really necessary activities that you need to to do in order to get everything functioning properly so and it's not just about doing it once job done and and off you go you have to maintain it because there are accidental deletions people have different opinions uh people accidentally cut and paste things over other things when you know excel can be notoriously bad for that um, and, you know, sometimes it's, we don't like to think about it, but it's like frauds and unpleasant things that are, are happening. So it's it's really important to to get that that cleansed. Yeah. So, so, no, go ahead, Alison, go ahead. Sorry, Susan. Do you get many customers who you've dealt with where you've gone through the whole process of classification, cleansing, deduplication, getting it all nice, and then ringing you up and say a year's, two years time saying, Susan, we're kind of back to where we were. Can you come I think back? I'm scared of that, to be honest. Um, so, so a couple of things. I have had clients come back, but with more work. Um, the the first client that came back with more work actually created an analyst role after I did some work for them. So then they had someone to maintain it. 
Um, other clients, I actually train up their staff to kind of take over the refreshes. So they're getting my OCD perfectionist, this is how you look after your data point of view. But I think, you know, I work mainly within a procurement and not a wider business context. And, and so, you know, there are gaps in things like governance and and all that good stuff that gets missed out. I think small companies find it very hard to have that whole data quality, data governance piece, because they just don't know where to start and who to empower, at what level should they bring someone in at. I think when you've got a, a large organisation who's got that funding and capability, it's a lot easier. But for those kind of small to mid-sized organisations, they do struggle to understand. I would, I would say a lot more gets hidden in the large organisations. So mm-hmm. I, I work a lot with spend data. So... Um, we're talking millions and billions of pounds worth of spend. So something at the lower end that's like £50 value hmm. slips through the net quite easily because people aren't focusing on that. They're looking at the, the big stuff, the big prizes. So, yeah. They have all the problems, as we know. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a, a comment here. I'm not sure who it's from. It's from a LinkedIn user, but... Uh, this person says that data without cleansing and refining is like wearing dirty laundry every day and hoping that it doesn't stink. Is that Jeanette? <laughs> I like that <laughs> oh, dear. I like that. There's also a question for all of you guys from Ravid asking if you want to be on the Ravid show to discuss data up next. Of course. <laughs> but not until April. I, I committed to this way out before I realized I had a book to finish. Oh, yes, your book. And Scott's uh, still wondering why he's not on screen at this point. So, Susan, you want to talk briefly about your, your book? When is that coming out? Since we're uh, well, hopefully I will have it written by the beginning of April. And then it has to go and be published and typeset and all that good stuff. So I think it's around six months by the time publisher does all their stuff with it. Um, I can tell you that um, the part of the title will be called Between the Spreadsheets. So I'm very excited about that because, um, you know, I I love working with data, but a lot of people don't. They find it very boring. So I want to bring some fun and excitement. I want people to look at the book title. And even if they're not in data, I want them to pick it up and look at it and go, that looks like interesting or fun. So... It's the next series yeah. of 50 Shades of Grey, weren't they? Uh, 50 Shades of Spreadsheets. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> that could be the second. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you have that one, Susan. I'll let you have that one. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And then, and then it, it's all right. I think we focus a lot, um, especially with um, young people coming up, we focus so much on the process of cleansing that they don't necessarily understand the consequences it has within business. So I'm talking around the examples of what happens when you accidentally put an extra zero at the end of a number or what if you're setting up this product and you don't put the the weight or the dimensions in properly, that's going to affect the shipping and the, the end user not getting it and that's going to cost money. So... Yeah. cover offers like that as well as the practical how to's on how to classify normalize and um, build a taxonomy and data. so lots going on in there and then maybe a quote is, or two in there as well okay yeah gotta have the quote um so this is Jeanette from Georgia she she just wanted to add that data without integrity is the greatest flaw for the enterprise 
I absolutely agree. Um, it's fundamental. Um, I've worked a lot with anonymized data, so like coming from a health background. Um, the challenge that I've seen in large organizations is that you know, if you don't sort your integrity of data, then you put your governance in. Um, actually, you can't actually see that you've got flawed data and, you know, people then go on to make decisions on stuff which they think are great decisions, um, which actually they haven't addressed the, the challenges with. So, yeah, I think integrity of data is absolutely fundamental. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really interested because Helen's very fortunate in the fact that she works both in with US and UK organisations and businesses. So, Helen, out of interest, being selfish, what differences in, and difficulties do you have in the US that differ to that in the UK and vice versa? Because obviously, ownership of data is different in both countries. Oh, look. I, I just but I also work with multiple countries, so I've got a few things for you too. Apologies. That's I'm global. I'm global. Didn't you know? <laughs> Sorry, Helen, on you go. <laughs> so I think, I think, Alistair, most of my experience of actually working with data has been within the UK and understanding the quality. So that the work I do these days, I don't actually see the data. But obviously, there's different rules as to how what governs data um, and what you can use data for and how you can share data across all of the different countries. Um, and so, you know, some of them are more strict, particularly around GDPRs, you know, slightly more strict um, than, than some of the other laws. But, you know, everybody's trying to keep their data private and to be able to maximise their use of it. So it's about trying to do that within the frameworks that exist. That's very from a classification perspective. Yeah, actually, it's it's more... Um, can be more problematic than you think. So when I have been building taxonomies... Um, the occasional English spelling slips in, so you have to be careful to make sure that it's the US spelling. But in terms of words and terminology, um, I've put things into taxonomies that the US clients just haven't understood. So over here, there's normally like a non-addressable category, which is things like tax spend or charitable donations or license fees, whereas they might have it called something else. So that in itself can cause problems with interpretation. Um, and I guess that's where you need a data dictionary to kind of streamline all that stuff. I think you're absolutely right. And the same applies for governance as well, certainly across the US to the UK um, and Europe. Um, the, there is different taxonomy for how you describe sort of like identified data or personal data or non-personal data. You know, there's there's definitely different definitions. So it's interesting translate. It's literally like translating another language sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's um, Sorry, go on. Okay, you're the host. No, go ahead. I'll ask, I'll ask the question after. Go ahead. No, no, I've seen an interesting question come up about has GDPR complicated. Oh, yeah, that's what I was about to. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Yeah, so has GDPR um, complicated data management and can you share some experiences? So, so in some ways, yes, in some ways, no. I think in some ways, um, GDPR just has a structure that's around how undertake data management. Um, so I think that where GDPRs cause complication is around um, data minimization and avoidance of singling out. I think that I see many organizations not really understanding how to do that so well. 
And, you know, some people thinking that you've got to minimize your data and avoid singling out at the very first stage of the analysis life cycle, whereas you can actually do it sort of like along the data life cycle to make sure you still get good results. And it's about knowing how to implement some of these things sometimes. So it's a real mixed bag. Mm -hmm. um, I've had an experience with this as well. My solicitor is not watching and he'll probably be slapping his face coming himself but um so i have lots of contracts on how i i manage the data for gdpr and it's different obviously in different areas of the world but the irony um in dealing with us data is that in most areas and um, by transferring it to me in the uk it becomes safer and more protected and it's actually then harder for me to get it back to the us because then i'm governed by different data protection rules so yeah it's um it would be nice if we could just get a bit more of an even playing field for sure well the worldwide kind of regulatory license rather than just a location or geolocation one the, the us are looking at putting in stricter guidelines around data uh, i know is it california's already put the state law in against data and i think yeah. are following suit it will be interesting to see how that how they do it in line with or similarities to gdpr europe because i know obviously well, we're not getting on with Europe, but there's already been some initial fallouts around where vaccines should go and how they should <laughs> Yeah, but it, but it should be, you know, be interesting to see how, how the US follows suit. Yeah. Yeah, I know that California has the CCPA laws, and I do remember, it was probably a year or two ago, that I read an article that New York was coming up with something that was even more strict than CCPA or GDPR. But I'm not sure exactly where where that ended up. So it's um, we have another GDPR related question here from Stephen asking, can you please tell me your thoughts on GAIA-X data infrastructure for Europe and how it may change the hosting GDPR landscape? I'll start by saying I don't know what the GAIA-X infrastructure is. If you do know, raise your hand and you can answer this question. Okay. It's, 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 a very, it's a very good question, but it's above my pay grade. It's but very specific. I do like it. Okay, can you, can you copy and paste that and send it to me on an email, and then I can get one of my guys to look into it, and I'll come back it's to you. It's in the comments, Alistair. If you just go on LinkedIn, I'll stay in the comments. So you can you can chat with, with Stephen. And, You'll never uh, find we'll it. We'll follow it. up with you, Stephen. Thank okay. you for your question. Um, question here around data awareness. Um, is, is data awareness lacking in the industrial sector, or do you see that space is changing now? Sorry, I was copying and pasting. What was that again? <laughs> I think data awareness. Do you feel like it's lacking in the industrial sector? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. I think. I think it's lacking in many sectors, not just the industrial one. I think we should just, just zone on that one. I think most sectors have huge awareness to what is required and needed. It, I mean, if we talk, we're talking about AI and ML as the current thing, but the next thing is quantum computers. Now, when we get into quantum computers, if our data isn't right then, we are severely back to bad data. Fuck. Yes, I forgot, I forgot the exact quote, but there was something like, I think AI and machine learning helps us make all of our mistakes even faster. So Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. It's so true, but, but people are afraid. 
people are afraid of things they don't understand and don't know. But yeah. unless they're made aware of things, they'll always be unaware and unknow what they don't know and therefore afraid of it. And I think this awareness piece needs to be started from the ground up, so educationally in the schools, but also companies educating their personnel and their staff on what data is, the reason why you need to have quantity. Because people don't care if they don't understand. You know, mm -hmm. people don't really care that they're putting fuel in cars until everybody told them climate change was around the corner and, you know, they're, they're killing the world. So it's all about that awareness, letting people know, but it's, it's educating them in the right way with the right information. If we, again, educate them the wrong way with the wrong information, we won't get the right outcome. And that's the same with any data in any system in any process. Yeah, I think this is actually a good time for all of us to talk about awareness and training and education, because like I alluded to in the beginning, we all have some sort of materials or content out there that can help people raise awareness and learn some new skills. So let's just go around the, the panel here and just briefly talk about what offering we have and where people can can find out more. So maybe Susan, if we wanna start with you and data cleansing. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, thank you to iData for hosting my Data Cleansing the Basics course. And this is really um, for anyone who has never cleansed data before and they just want a nice, easy entry-level course. It's all in Excel. You don't have to learn any new tools. A um, few basic uh, formulas. Um, uh, you can even get a test file to practice on. And, and it's around not just, again, the, the actual process of cleansing the data, but understanding the effect it has on the wider business and, and, and how, how what you do could affect something. You know, your friend in another department could be costing them extra hours in the week to do something because you haven't ticked a box or put a number in somewhere. So, yeah, it's, it's um, a nice, easy way in. But also, if you are consistently cleansing data you know maybe there's a few tips in there that you might not be using so it might be worth just checking out and where can they where can they check it out What's so it's the idataqualityacademy.com i believe slash data cleansing the basics but i'm sure you can find it or just go to yeah i think if you go to the main site they can click yeah. on the, the, the course so idataquality.com or contact susan she loves messages she i do I'm a chatty person. Yes, um, and Helen, let, let's go to you next. What what content and training, educational content do you have? Yeah, we've recently developed a course called Quality Private Data, and it helps companies to manage and balance the risks of identification with the risk of loss of data utility and accuracy. Um, basically, it helps um, people um, maximize their use of data and still be privacy compliant. Um, it just like helps organizations gain public and consumer trust in using their data and demonstrates regulatory requirements. So it's really bridging that divide between um, data privacy and you know those undertaken analysis. So we've um, it's regularly updated. It's really engaging with interactive content and videos and so on. Um, it's kind of presented at a foundational level. Mm -hmm. um, takes about um, half a day to complete. It's you know um, assured by an international reference group and it's quality assured by an external. Um, accreditation agency and basically it's um, 
it's targeted at people like data scientists, data analysts, statisticians, researchers, basically anybody using or governing data. And it's applicable to all industry sectors across the world. It um, can be used as best practice and also it um, can be used as a control to help uh, maximise the utility of your data whilst also addressing compliance. And you can find us at um, www.itk.uk. Okay, awesome. Does almost drop the mic I know, now. all those accreditations. It was such a lot of work to do that, I can assure you guys. But yeah, we've got some great people that have been on there to review the course. Yeah, fantastic names. Yeah. That's great. Thank you, Helen. Um, Alistair, what, what can we learn from iData? I say what you learn for me, not much, but um, there's someone who's very put a question up about the insufficient to implant data quality policy and standards to follow, or do we still need software tools to help us when it comes to general criteria? I don't know who it is because they're just a LinkedIn user, but if whoever they are would like to contact me directly on LinkedIn, I can answer that question and also give them a template to help them select a tool. But I don't know who it is, so whoever it is, please send me a message. <laughs> on LinkedIn. If you go on LinkedIn, you'll be able to see their name. It's just not pulling into StreamYard, that's all, because they have right. privacy tools on. No worries. I'll have a look who it is afterwards. Um, we have, as part of the iData Quality product, we also set up an academy to help the community get better with data quality from a very, um, for someone who's got an immature level of knowledge on when it comes to data quality, it's a very easy, simple course to follow. And again, it's on the same site as uh, Susan's course that we put on there around classification. Um, it does have an option to see how a tool can do it, but also how you can do it manually. So you've got either option. So you can see the benefits of both, or you can use both ways of, of working, I suppose. Um, and I'm feeling generous because I'm tired because it's been a long day. So we'll, we'll, we'll give the first 20 people who email Kate. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Give you a bit of work to do. No, Kate. don't email Kate. Email Alistair. Annoy Kate with an email with your contact details. That's your first name, surname, and email address. Kate will get you on board for free on our iDataQuality camera. Put, put her title in the email that, so that she knows. Yes, yes. Put, put, please, my iDataQuality course, and uh, Kate will sort you out. Thank you, Kate. So, Alistair, what's your email address so they know where to send this? I'll put it, if Kate, Kate, can you just put your email address in the comments? That'd be lovely. Thank you. So anyways, I'll move on and talk about the Dedicated Academy briefly. So we cover off on storytelling and data visualization. So the Dedicated Academy is about a year old at this point, and it covers off on data visualization best practices. There's a course uh, called Dedicated Storytelling, which covers all the visual best practices as well as uh, tips and tricks on how to actually get your data story across. And as I mentioned earlier, currently building out a data to dashboard series of courses. Uh, we just launched one with Python, another one coming out with Click, and we already have one with Tableau and Power BI. Okay, I'll stop my my course feel here and okay. go on to some first, questions. Sorry, Kate, one quickly. The first 10 people who email me at that email address, which is underneath my face at the moment, will get free access to the iData quality. Quickly do it before he changes his mind. Oh, it's very nice of you, Alistair. One thing that you don't realize is this is recorded and this is going to stay on here. So anyone who sees this later on will be emailing Alistair that more 
an intelligent dash ts.co.uk. Have I spelled it wrong? No, no, it's the right data. No, you spelled it right. Yeah, I have. I have to quality, important You see how important it is. It's the That's first. That's very generous of you. First 10. So if you're watching a recorded level, tough. Yes. <laughs> So let's go on to a few more questions before before we wrap up. So Matthew here is asking, would you classify the disparity in growing a mature data infrastructure for purposes of decision support, one of education or of lack of investment, such as being unable to understand the ROI? It's both really, isn't it? It's both. I think it's everything, all the above, but would love to hear your thoughts. For sure, I think I think I think it's both. It's not one or the other. People still need to be educated, and there still needs to be funding put towards it. It's kind of a. a dual I do thing. think people need to demonstrate the benefits of using data, though, instead of just asking for the data. And that's often a lot more successful if you can put it into the, the language of somebody that can understand and um, that they can make the most of. Yeah, absolutely. Good shout, Helen. Good shout. <laughs> Thanks for this, Alistair. Scott's already emailed me, so, you know. <laughs> I want to know, can we buy the, the dated cushions? Yes, it's on Amazon now. So I got my Amazon merch. You have to look for the word dedicated, but I think someone said you have to put that word in quotation marks. Otherwise, you get some weird stuff for the word dedicated. But anyway, yes, this is a... Let's I'm, imagining, I'm imagining coat cushions everywhere. <laughs> oh yeah, you can create your tell people about code Susan. I don't think um we spoke about code yet. Yeah, so I wanted a way to get people who are not necessarily data specialists or data professionals engaged in data a little bit more. And I wanted something that was going to be kind of easy to remember and a bit fun to play with. So now I have a quote, which is make sure your data has its quote on, which means it has to be consistent. So things like, are you using the same unit of measure globally? Is it liters spelled in European way or the US way? Um, is it um, how do you input someone's name or an address in a system? Are you doing it all the same way? Um, then you need to be organized. So think of uh, a messy wardrobe closet and your favorite tops in there and you can't find it. If it was organized, you'd be able to go in and get what you need. Data is exactly the same. Then it has to be accurate. Um, which can mean different things to different people, but but really has to be, it's got to be correct and fit for purpose. And then when you have all those things, finally, you will have trustworthy data. Um, and, you know, I would be naive to say that you will have 100% accurate and trustworthy data, but you can get it as close as possible if you put your quote on your data. Get your quote on everybody. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, I was just looking through it the questions and comments. I think so, Alistair, you already started to address this one. Um, is it sufficient to implant data quality policy and standards to follow? And I know you asked this person to follow up with you um, in terms of showing the tool, but do you want to address part of this now? Like, is it yeah. enough that you have a policy and standard in place? No. Quality? I'm going to say that because I have a data quality tool. So I'm, I'm a little bit biased on this perspective. So I'll, I'll let the two who don't have a tool or potentially don't use a tool to give a, give an opinion. Oh, really? No, um, 
No, 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 I've talked enough, you go. I was just going to say, well, I really think it depends on what sort of data you've got, um, how detailed it is, you know. Um, if you've got lots and lots of data, then you really need to have a tool to profile it to see what's happening to, you know, keep keep abreast of all of the trends that are happening so you can address things. But, um, you know, if you've only got a small amount of data, it might be a different matter. I think one of the, this is not related, this is kind of related to having a tool or not, but I, I think a lot of companies think they've covered it off by only looking at 2% or 5% of the data and going, yeah, we've looked at 5%, we've checked 2% of our data, all the rest is fine. Let's move it from A to B or or let's use it to make a insight to what we need to do as a business. Mm. Not enough. It's just it's just so not enough. It's it's yeah. uh, I won't speak so I'll probably swear again, but it's, I think yeah, there's there's really good tools and efficient tools for certain types of data. So um things like names, addresses, you can really speed up your process with some proven, really great tools, maybe such as Alistair's. But when it comes to things like data classification, when context is involved, um, it's much trickier to to get that element of automation involved. And and either case, whether you do or don't use um, any kind of software, you should always be checking it yourself with a human, uh, some, preferably someone experienced in the area at the end to get the most out of it. It's a blending yeah. boat, isn't it, is what we're saying. Subject to your governance, Susan, of course. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I'll, I, just, I just want to add a data visualization part of it. So, Susan, when you mentioned always test your data and check that data quality, and um, one, one easy way to do this if you don't have a tool, sometimes visualizing your data in, in a scatter plot or in a bar chart or line graph can actually help you spot some of the outliers or maybe some uh, fat finger errors or uh, other issues that might have taken place during data entry or the data cleansing process. So data visualization can can help there. It's clearly not always the answer, but it's it sometimes helps with a, a quick check. Um, and Scott, just adding ABC, always be checking. So thank you, Scott. Um, all right, I think we're we're getting close to our time here, but I think. One thing I would like to end the conversation with is if we go around the room here and just give people one main tip, one main takeaway for your specific area. So Helen, if we start with you again, in terms of maximizing their use of data, what is one thing organizations can start doing today to help on that journey? I think it's about understanding the scope of what they're allowed to use their data for and educating their workforce. Um, too many organisations are too scared to use the data or don't govern their data so well and don't get good outputs. Um, and those which don't understand it at all. So, you know, it's it, you've got you've got to really understand and educate your workforce to be able to maximise your um, use of your data. OK, thank you. And let's mix it up, go to Susan next. So for data cleansing, what's your one big tip? Well, obviously have your data coat on, but um, more importantly than that, you have to maintain and spot check it. So it doesn't matter how often you apply coat, if, if you're not doing it regularly, um, then, then your data is going to fall into disrepair pretty quickly. All right, and Alistair on data quality, what's your big takeaway? There are so many ways you can educate yourself on having better data quality in a business nowadays. You've got 
live streams like this, you've got podcasts, you've got audible books. What I would say is I think a lot of people read information and take it as a given. You know, if we go back to uh, since time began, we had the Bible and people believed the Bible as that was the Holy Grail and that's how it should be for everything. I think you've got to use your own instinct as well. If you read something, do question it. And if you think it's right, implement it, test it, as Helen and Susan have said. But it really is about testing what works for you and what, what works for your business. Not every scenario works for every business. But you've got to start today to make the mistakes to understand what works. So stop having excuses. Just get on with it and start learning. Just get on with it. That's it. No excuse. As Nike said, just do it. Just do it. Just email Alistair and get that free course that he's giving away. He'll sign you right up. That's it. Just do it. All right. Any uh, anything else that you guys want to cover while we're still here? If if not, we can wrap up and tell people where you know where to go and, and connect if they have more questions. I'll take that as a wrap up. All right, guys. Thank you so much for for joining me here today, and thank you so much for the audience for bringing great uh, great questions and comments to the discussion. Um, Helen, where's the best place for people to reach you in case they, they want to continue this conversation? Um, just um, contact us via our website, um, www.itk.uk. Okay, great. Uh, Alistair? Either on the email address that they saw for 10 minutes of this recording, or please hook up with me on LinkedIn. Either way, I'll come back to you ASAP. Okay, great. And Susan? Um, you can find me, the Susan Walsh, the Classification Guru on LinkedIn. That's where I hang out the most, but I have the classificationguru.com as well. And you can get me that way. Okay, great. And I'm also on LinkedIn. That's where I live when I'm not at home mentally. So thank you so much for the session. And again, thank you to the audience for joining us live. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, everyone. Bye.